thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. no place in business for people like that business is war it's doggy dog ratty rat if my competitor were drowning i'd walk right over and put a hose right in his mouth can you say the same yeah really probably not <laughs> nice nice welcome to the brood view podcast you are brad I am. Hi, Andrew. Hello, hello, hello. And we are the podcast that critics are saying is shaping the future with new and exciting ideas. <laughs> yeah, back for another exciting episode. Yeah. Good flicks, good drinks. Good good flicks, good sips. Yeah. Uh, Fl- I like it. Flicks and sips. A new uh, podcast from the creators <laughs> of Brewview. <laughs> Slips and fits. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, anyway, so, um, uh, how's your week going? Uh, it's about to take a turn for the great, uh, but it's, it's been a week already. It's Wednesday. We record on Wednesdays usually, um, and I'm off tomorrow, so I'm ready to have some beer and, and, uh, good, good convo, couple laughs. Nice. Nice, nice. Yes. How about you? How's everything? Uh, things are good. 
things good. are good. It's uh, I got I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a little bit of batching time here in the next couple of days. So nice. I'm gonna hit, try to hit a couple. I don't know if I'm gonna get to the theater, but I'd really like to. But if not, I'll be watching movies at home nice. instead of uh, watching Angry Birds for the fifteenth time. Or oh, hard pass. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it's not too bad. It no. really isn't because Sudeikis is good. Uh, Josh Gad's good. Yeah, Josh Gad. Um, what's his name? Uh, Lan- Tyrion Lannister. He's good in it. Uh, right. The short, the short fellow. Peter fella. Dinklage. Um, nice. Crap. What's his name? Peter Dinklage. Yes. Yes. You're uh, angry. Ryan has a. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to get into that yeah. on this podcast, but. <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah, I'm gonna. Do a little bit of that, but sounds promising. We're doing, just to get yourself lubed up for this week, what are you drinking? Oh well, I have uh, from across state lines a Lupu Luau IPA. Uh, it is a coconut-centric Lupulin party. This IPA is brewed with a tropical trifecta of toasted coconut, experimental hops, and coconut water. Uh, it is from Dogfish Head, which uh, I don't get over here. So uh, Mr. Brennan was in town last weekend. Uh, awesome. He was kind enough to bring me some beers. And so I am sipping. Uh, hit it with the uh, 3.5 on untapped. It's uh, 7.3 ABV. Um, it is... Uh, very refreshing. It doesn't have any of that really hoppiness to it, but you can taste the right amount of toasted coconut to where it's okay. not just a novelty beer. Um, it's just it's a nice, refreshing ale. All right. Um, see, I'm not a big coconut fan. Okay, that would be a deal um, breaker too. See, I could I could um, drink coconut water all day. So. I don't, I don't see. I don't mind coconut water so much. I just mm-hmm. like because if it's just a little hint of it, but is so you get a, just a little bit of that in in there. You get like as soon as it hits your palate, you taste mm-hmm. a little bit of that coconut, that kind of like that creaminess. Um, but it it washes away, and maybe that's um, maybe that dulls the hops a little bit. Maybe that's just the hops kind of clearing your palate. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm, yeah. I don't know much how that works, but I know that at the beginning, it's a little bit of a coconut taste. Yeah, and then it just settles down after yeah. that. A nice suggestion to a nice refreshing ale. Good. So yeah, good, good stuff. Uh, I am having from a local brewery uh, from Pizza Boy <clears throat> yeah. here close to my hometown. Uh, I'm having the Stay Handsome IPA. Or double IPA, sorry. Ooh. Uh, it is a heavy little beer. At, like coming like off my episode last, off the episode last week where I said, you know, I'm I'm done with the IPAs for a little <laughs> bit. What do I do? Double up. I double down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, eight point eight point five ABV. Uh, no IBU to speak of. <clears throat> Doesn't say. So, uh, but it's a good beer. Um, it's um, it's light. It's 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 not. The heavy IPA, uh, like some of the doubles go, but it's it's nice, refreshing. 
uh, drinking out of a pounder can. So it's, uh, you know, always better. Yeah, it's always better. The six or 12 ounce cans are just, it's for, not enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good beer. I hit it with a four to five. Um, wow. I would suggest it. Well, you know what? You are going to be getting one of these Ooh. sooner than later. And maybe some of the people that are listening to the show might be getting one of these if they're naughty or if they're nice. Well, yeah, if they're naughty, probably. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to send some out to some of the guys. So, Wonderful. uh, uh, this is one of those ones where I've been trying to get a good little sample of beers to send out. So excellent. Uh, I think this is going to be in that in that mix. So yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah. So if you get a chance, other than the people I sent it to, and if you're in a, the uh, area, I'd say Matt, uh, your buddy Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe stop by the Gold Pizza Boy and grab one. He's not too far away. Nothing wrong with Little Pizza Boy. New. So, um, yeah, uh, we also got some friends checking in. Speaking of Matt, he's drinking at one of my favorite hangouts uh, at uh, TJ Rockwell's. Uh, he's having a perpetual IPA, which is pretty good. And then they have their own uh, brew. It's called a Raging Rhino Ale, which is uh, – I like it. It's, it's, it's a tamed-down tame down IPA, very mm-hmm. tame, uh, but it's drinkable. Uh, Mr. Neal. From over across the pond, mm-hmm. having a uh, hen harrier from Bolin Brewery, and he's also having a deer stalker from Bolin. So mm-hmm. he's having hitting a variety pack of that. Uh, Jason JK uh, is having a mosaic, which we had not too long ago. Yeah. From um, and uh, and uh, Mr. Neal is having an Irish cider. Once again. <laughs> Even when he's uh, off the beaten path a little bit, he we can f- always find one literal. Yes, in his mix. exactly. Oh, it looks like Fredo had a sixty-minute IPA. Nice, well done. Uh, a couple of days ago, so shout out to all y'all uh, that are following us on the tab. Keep drinking, keep sharing, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll share right back. And yeah, you yeah. find us on Untapped at. Brew and View Pod. Yes. Or just Brew and View Pod. Yeah. Not at. Yeah. yeah we're, we're there. Hashtag. Hashtag at simple. Us. <clears throat> but, yeah. Any other beer news on the horizon? Oh, or? no. No beer news, unfortunately. None to report. Um, I... Uh, I still these these breweries that I swear I'm gonna get to I still haven't had a chance to. Well, this one was uh, the uh, flooding in New Orleans kept me at bay. Yes. So <laughs> I I had the intentions. I was ready to put my plans into action, but nature uh, decided finds a way. Yeah. Yes. Life finds a way. Someone said that once. Mm-hmm. Someone did. Uh yeah, I got nothing on the on the brew front, brew front. Yeah yeah. Um, but uh, there is some movie news. Yes. Um, can you? Uh, we both kind of saw this news. What? Yes. I think you read a little bit more than I did. Yeah. So, uh, if you're a Netflix subscriber, you probably noticed uh, all of a sudden, uh, Netflix has is quickly getting. Disney releases um, 
and of course this includes things like Rogue One, um, Zootopia and Moana were both on there really quickly. Uh, Civil Doctor War. Doctor Strange, Civil War. Yeah, so really everything um, under the Disney umbrella is showing up on Netflix. And um, this was a, a huge get for Netflix. This deal just um, broke not too long ago. And now Disney is exercising their option out of it. And apparently they're going to be starting their own streaming service, which I think is a terrible idea for the consumer. Oh, for sure. It, it very, yes. Um, if, yeah, it is, it's a bad idea. Uh, this could be a death nail for, uh, a thing like Netflix. Cause at yeah. least Amazon has something to fall back on. With yeah. The ability to buy movies and rent movies mm-hmm. on that where Netflix, you can't. Yeah, and Netflix also had the news come out um, about their uh, their debt and their the money they've invested. Um, so they're they're pretty far in the red with uh, as as far as um, investing in projects right now. Uh, hopefully, they can come out of it. I I honestly don't see how this is a good move for Disney. I don't um, either. I don't know what they stand to gain. Uh, and I don't know if they think there's enough people. I, they must, you know, they have people to do the research. So someone must be telling them the market is, there's a big enough market where you can make more money leaving Netflix and starting your own subscription service. But at this point, it's, it's out of control. If you're a consumer you, and you want to watch everything, you've got four, you know, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Netflix, and now um, Disney thrown into the, uh, thrown their hat into the ring. It's, it's like, you know, you, you can't do it all on a modest budget. Um, and even still, how can how can you justify it? Yeah, like I'm watching I mean, one Disney movie a month. I would say, families, yeah, probably a little I different. Could, I could see that, like that that part of it, and maybe yeah. if they included like the all the Marvel properties and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, earlier access to those movies. Because I guess I'm guessing. Well, I mean, they're they're. I'm guessing they're their own distributor and own all that. You know, yeah, they could they could offer that kind of service and charge, you know, um, but it's, unless they, unless they dip their toes into like the same thing that Netflix is and Amazon's doing and just, um, optioning, you know, be a distributor themselves for all kinds of movies, just, Mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, who knows? I, I, I would, cause there's such a, you know, Disney's such a, a giant that, you know why would why would the uh, like Universals or Paramount or you know whatever why would they give the rights to their movies to Disney when they're direct competitors? Yeah, I mean that could open up the market for um, Netflix to pursue options with them like Universal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I had heard, I have no hard facts on this, but I had heard that one of the, um, 
Disney wanted to buy Netflix and uh, Netflix wasn't interested in making that sale. So, boy, well, I guess like once you're to this point, it's it's a lot of a lot of wheeling and dealing and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of greedy hands out there. I know it's just it's hard for me to grasp. Like, why do you want? Yeah. Like everyone it, that stands to make more money from this thing is being well fed. Yeah. And, you know, I say they're being greedy, but I, I'm greedy, too. I want, I want my movies. You know, I want to be able to watch them. You know, I'm, I'm you know, it's kind of like the uh, the sports fan. Uh, when he gets mad that his favorite player goes to another team, he's being greedy that he wants. He's being selfish and wants him, his team to be on, you know, to stay on his team where uh, I, 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 I see your point, but I, I don't agree because. You're you as a sports fan don't stand to make millions of dollars. Yeah, but if you were <laughs> the best sports fan in the world, and only one or two other people could do the things that you do as a sports fan, then yeah. maybe you'd be worth that. Maybe. Like, uh, what's his name in Angels in the Outfield? Oh. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's, yes, that's a valuable sports fan. Yes, and, very uh, valuable. You can watch that on Disney's new streaming service. <laughs> And the beginning of fiscal quarter one of 2018. Yes. No. So hopefully everything's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, hopefully Netflix. At least hopefully it'll turn around. Because like, the, the market demands having, I guess, I guess it's that pay to play thing and people are willing to buy. Yeah. Maybe it is. You know. And if they can double dip with their, with their movies, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, it's still, it's, it was nice having the option of, uh, like something like Rogue One. If I want to watch the last, you know, 45 minutes of that movie at any, at the drop of a hat, I could without any additional streaming service. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of greed Mm -hmm. and big companies and all that kind of stuff, you signed me a movie. I did. I did. Uh, from last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Founder. Yes. Starring Michael Keaton, Nick Offerman, and John Carroll Lynch, and uh, let's call uh, Laura Dern. And B.G. Novak's in there a little bit, too. So, But that, nice. the, bigger, the big names are in there. Good crew. Um, uh, directed by John Lee Hancock, who is best known for The Blind Side, Saving Mr. Banks, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. So those kind of movies, um, which I don't think I've seen any of them. I don't think I saw The Blind Side nor say Mr. Banks. Nope, 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 nope. The Alamo. Nope. Uh, so anyways, um, the founder, this is the story of, uh, Ray Kroc, the, the quote unquote, uh, father of McDonald's mm-hmm. and, um, his rise to power and the story of where he where he got the idea, where he came up with the name, uh, and who he stole everything from. So, um, this um, Michael Keaton is Ray Kroc, and he is a down on his luck kind of door to door or business to business salesman who who hasn't really succeeded at anything. And this is taking place in the night. 
1950-somethings, uh, 1954 or so. And um, finally comes across this little uh, restaurant or, or drive-in drive in like this is the time of drive-in uh restaurants or diners where people drive up and the girl would come out with her skate and her hoop dress and take your order and uh bring your bring your food right up to your your car and instead he finds this place called mcdonald's in san bernardino san bernardino i think california um and this place is the is has a new system of of selling food they only sell three items or four items it's hamburgers french fries milkshakes and soft drink and so and it's a very efficient and he falls in love with it and this is the story of him taking that idea and trying to run with it and the, the people left in his wake uh through doing this so this this guy this is a it's an interesting movie because you there's people you are rooting for, but then you start rooting rooting for the other people. So like, um, um, Michael Keaton's character Ray Kroc is mm-hmm. he's 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 not an antihero, but he's not your typical protagonist because um, there's times you root for him, but there's times that you don't, and like you see this like. There's the times you feel like this is going to be feel like the blind side or something like that, where it's like a fairy tale ending and all that stuff. But when it comes to like the success stories in America, yeah, like the American dream is the American dream, but there can be some heartache and some crushed people under your boot heels as you're getting there too, you know, especially for the very successful, very ruthless types. And this kind of it examines that. It's examining the, the you know the greatest generation and all that stuff and and what we had to do to get to the point we're at now. And um it it was an interesting take on this. I, I really liked Keaton in it. Uh I knew it was him for about the first half hour and then he kind of disappeared into the role. Nice. Um not completely because he saw, but he didn't have like at, at first he had a little bit of uh, his Michael Keaton in him. Mm-hmm. You know that crazy you know that fast talking you know head moving everywhere, hands going, and then it kind of, he kind of disappeared. Uh, Nick Offerman was really good in this. I, I really like Nick Offerman, but I never thought he was like a real serious actor. In this, he's really good. Uh, so is uh, John Carroll Lynch. Um, you'd know him from a lot of different stuff. I mean, I don't know what he'd be best known for. I mean, he was in Zodiac, uh, Grand Torino, uh, Grand Torino, uh, Shutter Island. Uh, he, he was Drew Carey's brother on Drew Carey's show. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you'd know him if you saw him, he's, he's that guy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but he was really good. Lord Dern doesn't do a whole lot other than be at home and just kind of, uh, there's, she doesn't have a lot to do in this, but, uh, overall I liked it a lot. There were some faults in it and it got, uh, I don't know. It, it felt true, but it also, it 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 portrayed the original guys like the guys that came up with the idea. He basically stole this idea from these guys and kind of crapped on them, mm-hmm. and it put them in a really good light. And which maybe they were, you know, they were just these hardworking guys that had this great idea, and then he just kind of took it from them. And um, I don't know. It felt I don't. 
sometimes it didn't feel feel authentic maybe i don't know but for the most part it was really good i would recommend watching this just for the acting yeah um the, and the story's pretty good go ahead oh that's that's what i um i heard that it's uh the movie it is what it is but but keaton is uh his performance is is noteworthy yeah yeah i not i don't think oscar oscars though like yeah. this isn't like he was so much better in spotlight i thought um uh but not so much but he was better i thought in spotlight but he was he was still like i'm i'm so glad he's made this comeback yeah like so 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 happy and like obviously not uh, like for Birdman, he was so he was awesome in that. So mm-hmm. uh, I I like to have that he has like one big movie a year coming out. Yeah, that's, nice. that's good. Yeah, that is awesome. So yeah, I gave it a seven. Okay, right on. So and I would recommend it. It's streaming on Netflix right now. Yes, yes, y'all. Until they get shut y'all. down. Yeah. Uh, for now, it's on Netflix. So uh, you assigned me a movie. Uh, called Don't Think Twice, also from last year. Uh, it was written and directed by Mark Birbiglia, who uh, I, I very much have a soft spot for. I would, um, he's one of my favorite working comedians today. Uh, and it stars... Uh, so it's about um, a popular New York City improv troupe, uh, and one of their members gets a huge break and uh, the rest of the group kind of has to deal with the fallout of realizing that not everyone is going to make it after all. Um, so the uh, ensemble is uh, Gillian Jacobs, Mike Birbiglia, Kate uh, Micucci, Tammy Sager, Keegan-Michael Key, and uh, Chris Gethard. Uh, they play the... Um, I believe they're called the Commune is the name of their their improv group, uh, which unfortunately, as far as improv improv groups go, it's on on the better side of the fence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but but it was cool to see. Um, this is kind of it, uh, improv. Really, is a foundation of a lot of modern comedy. Um, so they have a very thinly veiled uh, version of Saturday Night Live called Weekend Live. Um, and uh, they, uh, it's, it plays the, the Saturday Night Live. Um, it's it's the, the, the improvisational comic stream to, to make it on to Weekend Live in this. And uh, Keegan-Michael Key's character Jack... Uh, he makes it and, um, the rest of the group has to deal with that. So they all, uh, I think five of the six of them, they all live together and they're all just kind of, um, uh, this is what they live for. You know, they, they work the menial day job so that they can go and, get on stage at night and do, do improv with their buddies. And, uh, it's, um, it's, it, it was kind of challenging for me, uh, to see Mike Perbiglio was really not a good guy in this movie. 
Okay. He plays like a 36-year-old. He's an improv teacher at a theater at at a uh, small like theater um, for improv, and he's all he is always bringing home this like 22-year-old um, uh, student of his. And, like you see that a couple times, and you're like, oh, well, that's gross. And then. Uh, <laughs> And then he has this, um, this like he's he's clearly delusional and like his his jealousy. It was just weird to see because Mike Birbiglia, in my eyes, is such a um, harmless, lovable goofball. Yeah, narcissist or not narcissist? Um, oh, uh, like oh, I, I can't think of the right word. But he's yes, he's very. Nebbish. He's yeah. almost Woody Allen. Woody Allen-ish. Yeah, he actually does. I think he he um he has a lot of the same humor. He just is is more. Um, he's more molesting. Yeah, he's probably not going to adopt his uh, his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> he's more um, relatable through his. I think his comedy is how he relates to people, whereas Woody Allen is uh, films is how he um, how, how he relates, he relates to people. To how he, yeah, how he's able to um, communicate. Yeah, like Woody Allen communicates through film and yeah. Mike Birbiglia, because there are yeah, there's there are some parallels. Um, so that, that's cool. Um, uh, it's. Uh, that's an interesting point, and and I agree. Um, so it was it was kind of weird to see this guy that I really like in this really unlikable role, especially um, since I've never seen him in anything like this. And he so he also directed Sleepwalk with me, right? Um, which is autobiographical, and uh, even in the parts that are. One of the things that I love that that he did with that was he wasn't afraid to make himself look like he wasn't afraid to paint himself in in kind of a bad light. Right. Um, but it's a it's a portion of the story. Uh, in this, he's he's just a bad guy, and um, so I was kind of caught off guard by that. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's it it plays pretty real um as far as all the the five other people in the improv group having to deal with this like uh, you know the, you really accentuate like in improv we're a team and we work together and we build off of each other and then all of a sudden an individual finds success Right, because like they all got into it in the first place to yeah. get success. Yes, and then you know, and you're working and as a they, team. They work as a team. They fall in love with the craft, and um, then reality kind of comes knocking. Uh, they're they're talking about uh, things like oh, you know, your your twenties are for being hopeful, and your your thirties are for wondering why you were so hopeful. <laughs> I yeah. think is one of the things that Chris Gethard says, and um, there the ensemble's good. 
Um, I like everybody in the cast, but how was uh, Gillian Jacobs? She was great. Okay, because I like the only thing I've really seen her in is uh, Community. Yes. And uh, I really liked her in it, but she play also just played kind of a just a ditzy, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, funny, but like I didn't see what like what. Yeah. She's, you know, I wanted to see like if she did anything. Um, she's heavy. in a show called Love, um, which okay. is a Netflix original, and I think that's a much better showcase of um, okay. of her talent. Uh, Pittsburgh girl. Sure. By the way. There you go. Well, it, you know, she's, uh, so that means she's awesome. She's, she, yeah, probably, uh, probably a great lady. Now I, I actually, uh, couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything quippy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alequip, Alequippy. That's, that's a, that's a regional joke for Pittsburgh people. They'd like it. There you go. There's a little town called Alequippa. Yeah. Um, so uh, on the subject of Gillian Jacobs, actually, she plays um, Samantha, who is uh, Jack's love interest. Um, and she is uh, she is a purist. So she um, is also kind of on this path that Jack is. She has an audition for Weekend Live, and she decides that this is not what I want to do. Um, Which is fine, I guess, but that seems crazy to me. Like, she loves improv so much that she wants to teach it at this low-level theater Hmm. instead of um, work on the basically... um, major leagues of improvisational comedy, even though it's heavily written and all that, uh, et cetera. But right. <laughs> so that was just bizarre to me. And I, I think there are just a couple of strange, strange things that, um, these little bumps in the script along the way that kind of ultimately culminate in this really, um, saccharine, very inauthentic feeling moment. That just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, so this is like, I, I ended up going giving this one a six. Um, it was kind of a soft seven without the ending. Um, like some some of the improv stuff was cool, um, especially having um, spent some time in uh, the Second City program. Like there's there are some of these people out here. Um, I definitely don't like. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the people that they portray, the the always on jokester who's just they're like, it's Saturday at one in the morning. Like your big break is not coming. Just have a conversation yeah. with me. relax. Um, but then there are also those guys who are um, my buddy Isaac. He can turn it on and off like a switch and he can turn it on briefly enough where uh, he's, he, um, will, will kind of just go into this character and then just be right back to normal. And like, he has a good grasp on it. And then people like Matt, who he's never really, you know, plays characters off stage. And so like, yeah, 
I, I feel like all those people were pretty well represented in this movie. Um, so, but aside from the well crafted representation of the improv community, um, good characters, bad story. Yeah. The, the script is middling and the ending is just too, um, kind of like kind of saccharine kind of kind of overwritten ending yeah and um so uh i don't know i i know people who will like this um but it's not just a a recommend across the board um Hmm. i'm glad i watched it though because i i like i said i love mike verbiglia and i'm always interested in what he has to do and even if it doesn't work out it's still going to be different. Like this is not really, I can't think of something that, Oh, this is just like this movie. Right. So, um, it's, it's, um, yeah. Cause it's a little slice of like, a, a pretty decent sized community. Cause there's yeah. like improv clubs everywhere. And like, mm-hmm. and I've never seen a movie just based on this. So it's, yeah. it's, there's a, I wonder why it hasn't been written before. Or hasn't yeah. Been, you know, especially with all the writing and stuff that goes on with in those classes and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, uh, improv classes are a lot less outside of class work. The writing classes are, but yeah. but they they tend to be one and the same. Like yeah. a lot of people at sec- that I knew at Second City were taking they'd take writing and improv class. Like on right. Tuesday they'd have writing and Thursday they'd have improv. So. Improv writing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bay cursive. Yes. Just write whatever comes to mind. Make sure it's in uh, in cursive. Block letters. Cursive is a dead language, isn't it? It is. So is calligraphy. Or a dead, uh, a dead art now. They a don't dead teach art. it. Yeah. Which makes dead sense. Art. I mean, it's, I know. it's not really a valuable skill. Although now, uh, people who learned cursive can write secret notes to each other that yeah <laughs> like this the spelling out loud that parents do now that yes they see writing just, writing yeah. in cursive on a whiteboard at home yeah. oh it's no fair mom and dad are text or writing to each other <laughs> come on uh yeah it's i don't know i don't want to rag on it but i, I just maybe no, it's I think my I get fault the, too i get your point of it yeah. it's like it was had the potential and had good characters just yeah didn't land yeah so, and it no, just it. it's it's a good representation of those people but it's also um in the storytelling department it it fumbles a little yep. bit um and it's not it never really got to the point where i was like um zeroed in like fully engaged like i wasn't i i usually keep my phone away from me when i'm watching movies for the show Um, so I wasn't doing that, but I was not like, you know, edge of my seat. So even if it was, um, if the script was tightened up, it was still, you know, in that seven territory. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I know to stay away from it and I asked you if I should watch it. Yeah. And you said, I'm glad I saw it. I I will say that. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah. Um, well, I just based on that because I ask you, well, should I dr- watch that or should I watch the movie you watched last week, A Hero Dreams of Sushi? And you said, I, ah, do 
hero june sushi so i did watch it and i'll just echo your sentiments on it um really good doc Mm -hmm. um one thing i don't think you touched on too much but the way it was shot was really well shot as far as the cinematography looked really nice this the use of Mm slow-mo was done at the right times and stuff and really told a story i told a really compelling boring story Mm -hmm. you know because it like but like it is, if you think about it, it's just a guy cooking sushi in a subway. Yeah, it's 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 his attitude towards it that that elevates it. Right, but in the way that the filmmaker yeah. put put yeah. everything together was very really dynamic, well crafted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you really got the um, you got the feel of uh, you really uh, there's yeah the the um, well. There's a there there was a term that he used in this that I like fell in love with and mm-hmm. it probably might have to be my next uh, tattoo. It's the uh, shokun shokunin, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, uh, it's like a craftsman or artisan, mm-hmm. and but it's like the 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 willingness and the love of work. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you're doing at the moment and like just embracing it and doing it as good as you can. Yeah. And it, it's, it feels like a Japanese philosophy, like, you know, how they'll dedicate them. Not the day, but like, um, those people will, die. those people. Yes. <laughs> but, it, um, that, you know, you'll see that, well, it, you'll just see it in this movie where like the, the guy doing, you know, the rice or the fish or whatever is dedicated to a craft so much to the mm-hmm. point where it's obsessive yeah and but he's revered for it mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of a cool thing so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you recommended me yeah I, I think recommending you yeah yes i i think it's an exceptionally great story yeah it's a very good well done doc so yeah yeah, yeah it is issues. it is that's the other thing too that maybe i failed to really sell it on is it's really dynamic filmmaking um a lot mm-hmm. of great shots a lot of like a great use of um like you said slow motion and just space like the the restaurant looks beautiful i'm sure it is in real life too but just incredibly well lit well set shots um uh yeah oh i could i could probably just you know regurgitate everything i said last week now so yeah i'll stop yep so <laughs> listen to next last week's episode and then go watch your dreams susie Really great documentary. Um, yeah. So, uh, the founder, if you're if you're interested, is from 2016, and it's on Netflix along with Don't Think Twice. Same deal, 2016 Netflix. And uh, next week we're going to be talking movies again. I know it's hard to believe. You know, 73 weeks in that we would. Mm-hmm. This is 73. Jeez. Yeah. You know. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, but what uh, what do you got for me? What you got for me next? Week? Uh, I got a movie, two thousand one. It's Bill Paxton's. Uh, I think it's his debut film as far as directing, and it stars Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxton. Like uh, it's that. called Frailty, and it is a. Well, I'll let you just just go into it. See what you think. It's 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 a different kind of movie. It's not what you expect from Bill Paxton. I'd say nice. Nice, nice. The late Bill Paxton. 
Streaming uh, on Netflix. Excellent. And uh, streaming on Amazon Prime from 2016 is The Salesman. Um, uh, not a movie I know much about, but luckily our, our trusted uh, inside source, Anderson, mm-hmm. was talking about it on one of his many podcasts. Many, um, many, many <laughs> podcasts. Many. I'm a man of many podcasts. And... Uh, it is streaming on Amazon Prime. It is a foreign film. And, of course, I would assign you that. Yes. <laughs> well, there's... That's... Uh, <laughs> thank you for taking that bullet for me. Yeah. But Yeah. Because yeah. you're like, what do you want to watch this week? I'm like, oh, this. Okay. Um, I, I my, my willingness to watch foreign movies, though, is way higher than... <laughs> yes. Than some of the other things that I probably should be watching. Um, yes. Um, the other thing, I am probably going to be watching the movie Icarus. It's a documentary, but we've been really nice. doc heavy this this last like three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to. It's a about the Russian doping scandal, so I'm probably going to watch that and talk about it next week as well. So it's Icarus streaming on Netflix. Yeah. I'll throw so, that on our. I'll tag that at the end of our uh, streaming recommendations. Yeah. So if you guys so want to check it out, reminder. I'll be talking about it next week so uh tune in see what i think yeah yeah um but we got some other streaming recommendations for you as well what do you got Um, for the peeps yeah so for the people the people the people people the people the people i got uh from 2014 a netflix original documentary uh the battered bastards of baseball Ooh, yeah about the portland mavericks i haven't uh, seen this but i heard it's really good oh you haven't seen it no oh well, I got time oh, this week, so yeah, okay. Because I was gonna, I mm, maybe that, uh, maybe put that in your back pocket. Maybe we'll, uh, yeah. we could do it. Well, we could do a solid. We could just do. We could just do a whole episode on of this. movies we watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one, and uh, I, uh, I actually re, uh, I, I tuned back into it. I saw it. A, probably two years ago i guess now um and i i actually watched a little bit of it the other day because i was just it just the mood hit me um yeah it's great documentary isn't it like kurt russell's dad owned the buck team russell like? yeah he um once he was done with hollywood he bought an independent he baseball said. team in uh portland and they were uh so it was a triple a ball club but it was completely independent um, so they were not feeding into the MLB system. So, and they had open tryouts and, uh, well, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it next week. More, we'll talk oh, about okay. it more this week too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, but it's uh Netflix original. Uh, I think it's a great documentary. Um, even if, if you're not a, uh, baseball fan it it doesn't feel like your run-of-the-mill sports documentary so okay. like we we watch fastball for this show and and yeah. i could see people not really being interested in that uh, this is not uh that. esoteric the way fastball is it's not pardon the pun inside baseball yeah yeah it's very much it's a great story okay um, so yeah uh, yeah i like it i will check it out um yeah so I got a, a lot of stuff to talk about next week. Yeah. Yeah. 
we, we can hit it up. Uh, well, if you if that isn't enough, um, and you want some muscle watch, how about uh, checking out Chef on Amazon? Um, yes. It's John Favreau. It's directed by Favreau too, right? It's his own. Yes. It's directed, written, directed, starring uh, Favreau, and uh, it's got Jake. Uh, uh, John Leguizamo in it, yes, and the little cameo by uh, Iron Man, mm-hmm. and it's I really like this movie. It's like I know some people shit on this movie, but it I love it. It's a sweet little movie. Oh um, yeah, wow, yeah, really. People, you know, mm, mm, I like this movie a lot. I don't like people I do saying too. bad things about I, it. Well, no, I just I I like the fact that it it can can be. It can be kind of saccharine and sweet, but if mm-hmm. you do it the right way and and earn it at the end, and I think this movie did that, and yeah. it's a really good flick. Check out Chef. It's an independent movie with like big name stars in it, so mm-hmm. um, it's like a passion project, and it yeah. it's, it, it feels authentic. So well, uh, it is. So food is a uh, fuck. I'm I'm missing the fucking word now, but it's a placeholder for movies. Yes. Like this okay. is this is about John Favreau as a director. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. This is a yeah. I guess you could. It's a allegory for. Or Thank not, you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, or um, allegory was appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I never even looked at it that way. Um, I, but I guess I, I didn't figure that out. I read it. So, oh, okay. So, well, even so then, don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I don't want to say, make it seem like I, I, um, I picked that up all on my own, but okay. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's still, whether or not you, you still retain it, which can, it's a lot more than I can say on a lot of things. So, um, but it, it makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. I'd like to examine that a little bit in my head before I talk about it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe even uh, might might be a good rewatch. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a really good movie. Great music too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you get it's uh, just the exterior scenes and stuff felt mm-hmm. really warm and like well, of course they're in Miami a lot of the time, but mm-hmm. like uh, they felt real. You know, they didn't feel like there was a lot of lighting and stuff on, like washing out certain things. It felt yeah. real. So, yeah. yeah. And John Leguizamo, as long as it's not Spawn, always great. Ah, uh, I don't know. I think he's the guy that holds up in that movie more than anything else. Probably. It sh- sure isn't Martin Sheen. <laughs> you, didn't even, you didn't even remember he was uh, in that, did you? No, I didn't. He He was the bad guy. He's a bad, bad man. I don't, well, not, I don't remember actually, very little from Spawn. He, he was a bad guy. Because the purpose. really bad guy, that was the devil. Spoiler El, alert. El Diablo. Nice, nice. All right. Uh, what do you got for the, the listeners? Oh, uh, Battered Bastards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you already say that? Yes, Damn sir. It. It's all right. It's all right. There's, there's beer involved. We're It's all good. Um, so, uh, next week... We're talking. Uh, uh, got we, we, yeah, salesman. we got that. We're we're gonna be talking salesman. We're gonna be talking frailty. Um, we'll probably be talking battered bastards of baseball, Icarus, uh, and um, potentially Chef as well. Uh, so let me just run down this list real quick. Frailty is on Netflix. The Salesman, Amazon Prime, battered bastards of baseball, and Icarus. 
Netflix, and Chef, Amazon Prime. So with that, um, while you're calculating all that data, throw this in your bread box. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at BruinViewPod. Uh, email us if you've got more than 140 characters worth of thoughts, BruinViewPod at gmail.com. And uh, every week you can find me on Matt and Andrew vs. Society uh, on thesaucelounge.com. And Mr. Brad, of course, is yeah. on spanthevoid.com. Spanvoid. And uh, Spam this boys. last week, what? Huh? Spam boys. Spam boys. I lo- um, I'll never let this... go of that. I love it so much. <laughs> Spam this last boys. week, and what is... What is, you can get the, our latest episode right now has my lovely wife mm-hmm. and my her sister wife, I guess, uh, I Shladney. I thought it was your uh, sister wife. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's her sister, my wife. Mav super what fan Schlads. Yeah. Uh, so they come on and they, they give us the business. Yeah. And it was a, it was a good time. So. Yeah. It turned out great. Um, and uh, that's on spanthevoid.com. Uh, of course, every episode of this show is on uh, com as well, but we would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes. That'd just be a whole... Be, it'd be swell. be a whole thing, yes. It, we'd, be, we'd be very proud of you being proud of us. <laughs> Unless you give us a terrible review. Then, yeah, we'll, then we'll be proud of you will, at least listening happily. to us. <laughs> yes. Hey, they Happily heard that one. It. Yeah. Uh, but with that, um, tonight we've got a bit of a... I like it. Yeah, co- this concept. is uh, your, your baby. Yeah, I like so I, um, I was thinking of uh, a couple things. I'll kind of get, get into it a little more as, um, as we go down the list, kind of... The, the the inspiration for the idea of the list is within my list, um, but I was thinking what um, what source material would you like to see adapted into a movie? Um, kind of uh, uh, um, pretty open ended, but like uh, yeah, books, well, like television. Uh, I mean, there's two TV. categories in the Oscars. Mm-hmm. There's you know uh, best original screenplay. Best adapt or adapted screenplay, right? right? But you can also have an original original screenplay that is an adapt adaptation. Like whenever uh, Battleship was uh, up for the Oscars, right. that was up for best original screenplay because it wasn't off a novel or a piece of other piece of work or art. It was off a board game, mm-hmm. and we a all know how game. that turned out. But this is, uh, yeah, I like this because it's really open ended, right? I mean, you could go from board games to Yes, literature to whatever, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I liked your inspiration because you gave me and I have a little hint. I know what that's going to be, but I'll yeah. let you make that determination. Um, yes. But since it's your, I'm going to let you have top billing at the end, so you can finish this off. So okay. I'll go first. Fantastic. Uh, but based, well, I'm not going to say that at all. Um, there was a uh, video game mm-hmm. I played. When I was a kid, and I nice. played the hell out of it. Nice. The, the second and third iterations weren't so good, but the first one on the NES was fantastic, and it was called The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And I would love, I would love, love, love for Peter Jackson 
to take his whole experience oh. with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all that stuff. I want him to come in and take this. And you know what? Actually, um, my first... Okay, so I was came up in a very strict Christian household. Mm-hmm. And like... Anything that was had to do with fantasy or sorcery or Dungeons and Dragons, like foreboding, could not have mm-hmm. it in the house, was not allowed to look at it. Um, so Legend of Zelda, uh, this was like new technology for my parents. They couldn't uh, understand it. So this was my first like fan- introduction into fantasy, I guess. And really, I'd never really got too much further than this, but uh, Legend of Zelda was cool because... Uh, there were some big bads and some cool uh, things you had to do. There were some tricks to the game and all that yeah. stuff. And I'd like to see what uh, a guy like Peter Jackson, if he puts his heart into it. And, you know, I know that the, you know, Loader and, and the Hobbit isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it you can't, you can't deny that whenever he um, invests himself into something, that it isn't, it's not well done, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd like to see him take a shot at this, and then he could bring his whole cavil cast of of uh, people that he likes, and uh, and put into that. So, yeah. yep, that's my that's my number five, Legend nice. of Zelda. Nice, nice, nice. So my uh, my number five is uh, it's already movie. I actually think it's already two movies, um, but it is. Uh, originally a novel by Richard Matheson called I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. And uh, while the the Will Smith movie is, is uh, a solid blockbuster um, sci-fi, action, horror, kind of hybrid movie. I really um, liked it, too. And what's before I just want to digress real quick. What's the, the best part of this movie? It's one little shot. Hmm. Uh, you, you, I, you tell me. <laughs> it's the quick screen as he's walking through. There's a little, uh, a screen grab of a movie poster. Oh, yeah. Big movie, movie trailer or movie. Um, yes. Yes. Signage of Batman Superman. Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, are they trying to tease us with something? Yeah. And, and then I am legend was significantly better <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> um but i recently read the uh novel that it's that it's adapted from and it is so different to the point where you could um make a movie that closely follows the novel uh and people not even know it's really related uh it so it's a really um it's bleak. It's lonely. It's the type of thing that I would love to see in uh, black and white. I don't think you and I discussed this on the show, but um, we did discuss Logan Noir um, that that uh, washed out like black and white cut of the movie Logan. Um, I would love to see that filter on on this story. I think it could be a great like. Um, not even necessarily uh, Robert Refford, but kind of the um, all is lost, like one man uh, alone. Um, so Robert Redford comes to mind. Um, right. Uh, 
but yeah. just yeah. just this this man in complete isolation uh and uh, i i really think that of course like every every time you read a book and you're like oh that'd be great as a movie the the fantasy is that it's that they don't change anything and they can include anything um, right. i feel like the source material is short enough that they can condense it to a manageable length and just really give a faithful adaptation so yeah i i i read this book uh, it was a while ago it was mm-hmm. probably early 2000 or maybe in the 90s i read it yeah um but it's like i think it's based in la yes um and it i mean the the the, the notes are there it's just a little bit different like mm-hmm. i and i really love this movie too yeah it's a good movie. Uh, but but the book was fascinating as well like you're saying there's other there's elements it's it's like that last man on earth type of feel yeah you know and it's it's kind of well and there was another well yeah like you said two movies made about it you know mega man like yeah yeah so, Mega man's the one i'm thinking of um yeah but yeah i like it i like that yeah and i i i just picture um kind of a more uh pretentious kind of like artsy movie yeah like i think they could get away with it um and it's uh, the book itself is in like four parts, and I just picture uh, if anyone remembers um, Cabin in the Woods when they just splash the uh, they kind of like slam the title on the screen. That's just how I picture like part one, <laughs> or like, yes, spl- like just slam the date on the screen as opposed to like this. Oh, there's a gradual succession of time. Right. Nope. It's this time. That- this time yeah yeah okay well i'm thinking it could have that feel you know what grabbed that feel a little bit was um um that movie what was that uh with margot robbie and chris pine and um the the, like the post-apocalyptic oh uh z for zachariah yeah yes 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 yeah kind of had that feel a little bit yeah they kind of it has that downtime in mm-hmm. tension yeah I, 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 I like that movie that was a good one um but yeah so uh number five i am legend all right um uh i think it's a good time maybe to take a break sure sure and uh mm-hmm. we'll be right back with my number four. Oh, for show and so this is my number four. Um, so I have talked a little bit. If I talked to you off podcast or on podcast, or I know I've spoke about it at least here a little bit and on another podcast a little bit and off pod. But anyways, uh, about my infatuation with the drug cartel. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, my love of Sicario and all those things. Well, I I found a, an author through my love of that um and he his name is don winslow um and he wrote two books um two fictional books based on a ton of research like this guy is one of those writers that just doesn't just doesn't put a book out a year Mm -hmm. like he researches it and goes deep into it and pretty good storyteller um it meanders a little bit but i think it's only to get all the facts that he's found into the case so like he did uh two books 
like well over 400 or 500 pages each. Uh, one's called The Power of the Dog, and the sequel is called The Cartel. And it's all about the the drug cartels in uh, Mexico. And the... Um, uh, the the way it just it 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 talks about the history of the cartel with doing it a little bit with fictional fictionalization with like fictional mm-hmm. characters going through the real stuff that really happened and like how it's led up to like present day and what what the uh, you know what people are dealing with now in uh, Mexico and stuff and it it goes it just it. You know, it doesn't have El Chapo in it, but it has like people filling in for him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's 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 it's. I really love these books, and he's he's put out a couple of different books as well. Uh, most recently, a, a book called The Force, all about the, um, the New York Police Department. Um, and what I would love to see, and I I think The Force would be a really good movie. Now, and he also wrote the uh, he did write the book that the movie the savages or yes the, the movie yeah. savages was based on that was oliver stone right yes yes uh which i still haven't seen um and i plan to see after i read the book now that i know he wrote it mm-hmm. um um but so what i'd like to see is i'd like to have and this is my, my dream scenario right um i would like to have Taylor Sheridan, okay. who did who wrote Sicario, do the screenplay, or maybe him and Don Winslow do the screenplay for it, and have uh, Morton Scorsese do the movie for the cartel mm-hmm. down, you know, uh, for these two books and like put it all together, or even do it like a. Uh, I don't think uh, has Scorsese done any um, cartel? sequels. Oh, sequels. Uh, I don't think so. Like spiritual sequels, I would say. But Yeah, um, I mean, he kind of works in in a uh in an in a niche. Um but I don't think but so. When it comes to, like gritty and to gritty realism, like be it like Gangs of New York or, you know, Goodfellas or I mean even Casino with the attention to detail. Um, and then having like rich characters to go with it, I think this would be a perfect thing because it, the books are so detailed with rich characters. I think he would be able to pull this off. Um, I think he could find some unknowns, but also probably get a couple. You know, you know, Leo could probably play a lead somewhere. You know, oh, yeah. uh, Javier Bardem. I'm sure we could. You know, do the racial stereotypes that you know. But uh, I think <laughs> yeah. there can only be one Mexican American actor working at yes. a time. Well, yeah. Rules I mean, Danny, are rules. Tre- Danny Trejo's always out there. Ah, oh, I love Danny Trejo. Yeah. You know he'll he will call you and tell you to stay in school. He, he I he's he's he is dedicated. I he, really like, I I don't like ironically love Danny Trejo the way people are like, "Oh my god," with things yeah. like I I actually like I love a lot of the movies he's in. I know he makes a lot of like schlocky stuff now, but um, I'm obviously, maybe not obviously, I'm a big Robert Rodriguez fan. Machete is awesome. Um, and I think Danny Trejo is an infinitely interesting guy. Um, yeah. so I really like, do. Like actually is changing Danny people's Trejo. lives. Yeah. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. 
but he's obviously is in this somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, good. Um, yeah. So I, I like these books are really good, and like he does some major, major research into these books, and I would suggest. And I just read two books. Um, one was called The Dawn Patrol, and one was called uh, The Gentleman Gentleman's Hour. And it was mm. all about the surfing culture in San Diego, um, and it had a noir. It had like a surfing noir feel to it. it almost felt like the Big Lebowski at times, um, because <laughs> like you like had it. like the uh, the the surf lingo and all that stuff. And the guy was a private detective at the same time. And it it was just it, they were two really good books. So nice. Don Winslow is like one of my new favorite authors. Yeah, so I gotta write that down. Huge chance to check him out. Do so. Actually. Um, I'll he, send he's you the one. Uh, he's think... the head of the Winslow crime family, yeah. I assume, with the name Don <laughs> yes. Winslow. Uh, Don Winslow. Uh, nice. One of the the six families, head of the six family. Um, Taylor Sheridan, that's he wrote Sicario and Heller Highwater, right? Yes, and now he's I think right writing and directing um, the uh, Wind River. I think he's doing both for this one. Mm. Yep, he's directing it as well. With uh, no, it's coming up shortly with uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, all of them. Oh yeah, Jeremy Renner's a, a tracker, Elizabeth Olsen. This is you guys talked about this on your last podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm anxious to see that. That's coming up. Uh, August what? August fourth. Uh, maybe it's a limited release. Maybe I don't know, but if uh, we might have to jump on that ASAP. Yeah, I think that's gonna be because I love like everything he's been associated with. I love yeah. so I'm yeah. in. Maybe Ryan can get us tickets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excellent. I like it. I'm definitely gonna check out Don Winslow because I, I I have a soft spot for. For the crime story. Um, so my number four is, um, to circle back to what we were talking about earlier, I would like to see a uh, fictionalized account of the battered bastards of baseball. Okay. I think it would be a great buddy comedy. I think it would be a great sports movie. And I think uh, we're at a time where there hasn't been a big one of either of those. Right, been kind of all quiet on the Western Front. Um, so it's it's similar to some movies out there, um, the Major Leagues, the Bull Durham's, uh, great mm-hmm. movies, movies I really love. Um, yes, I don't know if Major League's a great movie, but I love it. Oh no, it's I mean it is a great um, movie. Yeah, uh, maybe but, not like a top hundred film. Right, yeah, it's it's not flick. a uh, masterfully crafted film, but yeah, really enjoyable movie. Um, but you know, those are old names. It's been a while. Uh, I think um, without – so it sounds like we're going to get into uh, Batter Bastards of Baseball next week, and I'm psyched. Um, so without getting into too much, there's a ton of characters in this. Um, it can almost be like a Bad News Bears with adults instead of children. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at a guy like Judd Apatow. I think he could knock it out of the park. No pun intended. Or is it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that, you know, you get his crew of guys who um, riff well together, play off each other exceptionally well, and uh, 
uh, a bunch of guys who are not in great shape, uh, which if you watch the battered bastards of baseball, will you'll find out rings true. And, uh, I, I think it, it could be a lot of fun. And I think this, if, if it were made, if it came out, um, early next year, it could be the, the next, uh, the next in that lineage of, of great sports comedies. All right. I like it. Well, if you have a hankering for that, if you really do, Mm -hmm. there's, uh, uh, watch the show on, it's on IFC. Uh, it's called Benders. Oh, uh, with, uh, Hank Azaria. What's it called? He's Brockmeyer. Brockmeyer. Okay. Where he's a washed up, uh, radio announcer, a guy that like had a meltdown on while announcing a game for the Kansas city Royals. And then like he went into obscurity and it had to come (laughs) back and he's now, uh, the announcer for a the baseball team like in you know in uh, the fracking area in Pennsylvania or so, somewhere you know where it's like like half a mountain's on fire at one time you know and it's it, it has that same feel like of uh, independent league baseball and it has like mm-hmm. all these ruffians and like guys from like all kinds of different countries and stuff and like nice. if, if you have a hankering for that that'll give you that but I, I like the idea of having a yeah uh, and I hope I hope uh, this uh, doc gives me lends me. Yeah, it'll it'll stuff. probably sh- shed a little more light on on my thought process. But um, Ken Brockmeyer, <laughs> well, Hank Azarias can't miss. Yes. Uh yeah, I will check that out. Um, but in the meantime, if anyone wants to greenlight this, and uh, Kurt Russell can uh, play Buck Russell. Yeah, there you go. And then his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, who played? I think he played in uh, the Linklater movie. Oh, what was that? The baseball movie. Uh, everyone, everybody, everybody gets some. Everybody wants some. Everybody wants some. Yes, he. It, I think Kurt Russell's son played baseball in that movie, so it just lends itself to yeah. be great. There you go. It's set up. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Uh, who who do we talk to about this? I guess we just post the episode and we well, yeah, we wait for knows. them to come to us. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you? Think? I mean, this is how we tell people. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice, um, cool. So I, I'm excited to maybe delve into this a little more next week. But I think the Battered Bastards of Baseball it's a a great story, and I think that uh, is a great building block for a solid buddy comedy. I like it. I like it a lot. And I love those. Yes. Buddy comedy is good. It's obviously a buddy comedy. Hmm. All right. Uh, my number three. So this is another book. Okay. Uh, and this is based on the writer. And I, I, I fell in. I found this guy through the writer, Don Winslow, who wrote a sequel to the book that I'm going to reference now. This author, who originally wrote the original book, uh, his na- the author's name is Traver- Trevanian, okay, which is a pen name for Rodney William Whitaker, okay. Now this Tre- Trevanian, he wrote. Um, let me see. I gotta see how many literary works. It's not gonna tell me. Nope, not that way. Novels. As Trevenian. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
so he he wrote like eight books under one pen name, another four under another name, um, and like he has a cult following this this uh, Whitaker guy, right? Mm-hmm. But he wrote one this one book that I read based on this other writer writing the sequel to it. It's I know it's convoluted, but trust me, I kind of follow. <laughs> okay, so the the book that he wrote was called Shibumi. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was it came out in the late seventies, and it's kind of like a James Bondish type book, but like origin story style, flash forwarding, moving around, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. <laughs> you know, um, it's but and it's the it's it's nonlinear storytelling, but and it can get convoluted, but it. It has some really rich characters, and and what I really like about it is like the main character is like this mysterious guy. You never really can get your finger on him, but the people that are looking for him and his his friends, the people that are fighting off the people who are looking for him, and like it's like a uh, international man of mystery type thing, not like slapsticky but serious. Um, and but he he puts like weird footnotes in in the book saying, you know. Um, I uh, this this guy had learned this this art of killing mm-hmm. with like household household uh, uh, things like uh, letter opener, not even letter openers, like a book or like a you know a, a bottle or even less deadly than that, like a paperclip or something like that. And he's like, I would exp-, he put it's a footnote in there and, and says the author would like to say that he. He would like to put these in here, but he knows that people will take these to heart and would, you know, obviously would use them in in certain ways and, and references some other books that like where there was a, a heist and like someone tried to do make that same heist. So he's going to reserve him like he, just a little bit tongue in cheek, yeah. but enough serious to like it's a different style of writing that I've seen because it it's poking fun, but being serious at the same time, like serious storytelling, but also knowing what you're writing. It's entertainment. Right. And um, what I'd like to see and the characters are very rich and there's some very funny, like I think the hardest thing to do is to write funny on the page. Mm-hmm. It like, there's not too many times where I will laugh when I'm reading something. Yeah. You know, I'll think it's funny and maybe I'll chuckle, but I can maybe I five times in my life that I remember laughing out loud to something I read and um, other than like a, maybe a joke and whenever I was talking to somebody, but like by right. myself, yeah, like a novel and, by yourself. Yeah. A novel. And like this, this made me laugh at a couple points. And um, I imagine Guy Ritchie doing this hmm. and getting back to his roots. Right. And getting some like, like larger than life characters, kind of like snatch, um and mix a little bit of the um the Sherlock Holmes element to it where you get like a big personality like um you know uh Robert Downey Jr and make this movie fun and great and bring these characters to life nice i get behind that so he he's trying to uh absolve himself of any of the yes repercussions the, like the he doesn't want to give any ideas that uh American anarchist Scott. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, and it, it, yes, it ties right into that. Yeah, it's it's just a funny footnote. You're reading is like, you know, based yeah. on what I've uh, my previous novels, 
you know, and it was, it's, but uh, check out, do wiki, wiki search on the word, on the, uh, the name, uh, T-R-E-V-A-N-I-A-N. And it's interesting to say the least. He's, um, he's an interesting, interesting person, I think. So. Excellent. Uh, nice. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll look more into that afterwards because I could easily go down a rabbit hole, I'm sure. Um, excuse me, but my number three—I uh, don't have—I I don't have much details worked out for this one, uh, but I just really would like to see a big screen adaptation. Uh, standalone film, which simply impossible at this point, unfortunately, of Moon Knight. Uh, oh, Moon Knight is the Marvel yeah. dark character. Um, it's basically Batman with multiple personality disorder. Um, yeah, which is what draws me to it. Um, so uh, you know, a lot of it would take place in in the night time. And uh, it'd be nice to see, you know, uh, we were talking about Disney earlier. It'd be nice to see something dark from Marvel because they do have such a long history and a, a huge back catalog. And they do have these things that aren't as uh, glossy and uh, family friendly necessarily. And it's not necessarily that I want something that... Uh, like oh, I need something that I, I kids can't be there. I need to see something without kids, um, but but it just something uh, the the Ghost Rider movies just didn't quite work, and uh, I am excited that that it sounds like Punisher is going to get his own TV series. But I want to sit in the theater uh, with a full surround sound and watch as you know the clock strikes midnight and all of a sudden this egyptian Im imagery starts taking over new york city and uh i think with in in the right hands uh i'm trying to think of of movies that have dealt with uh personality disorders or or mental health really well um and nothing Nothing's coming off the top of the head, so if you, if you think of something, please <laughs> let me know. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it, I just think that um, it, it's such an interesting. Mark Spector is such an interesting character, um, and the the other characters living in his head. It could be just a great visual storytelling, um, just a very it can be more of a thriller and kind of pull back on the big action set pieces. Okay. Uh, and do like a smaller, like a Deadpool type of smaller. Yeah. I'd love something or, almost uh, daredevil style, like yeah, encapsulated thing. Yes. Almost like a, a Batman begins. I don't want something that's going to work into infinity wars or, or hell, dark Knight. I mean, that was yeah. localized. Yeah. Yeah, something that just stands on its own merit and doesn't need to serve the higher god that is Kevin Feige. Like, I just, I think it's a great character. I think it's an interesting character. I think it's, 
Um, it, it it's kind of put on the back burner um, because it's hard to make glossy and fun the way that Guardians, Spider Man, Iron Man, etc. are. Uh, but I think it's I think it's still. Um, Dude, you get a good car- or good writer. Yeah, can do anything. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a. I think that it's still around as a series because fans respond to it. Well, it, I, I know from like the comic nerds that I've hung out with and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not like a big fan of it just because I haven't read that much of it. But like yeah. when I get when I talk to like the hardcore comic fans, he is like a fan favorite. Yeah. Oh, he really is. I I think um yeah I I I don't know I I think that uh there's so many good uh Moon Knight stories and I think that like you said him being him being a fan favorite maybe it doesn't um I, I don't know maybe it doesn't reflect in Maybe it reflects in sales more than it reflects in uh, name recognition. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It's hard to because it doesn't. It's not in the zeitgeist. You know, we're Batman, Superman, right? Spider Man, all those. You know, it's not what you think of when you think of Marvel. Right. Yeah. But and in, unless you get like a great movie like Iron Man, where he wasn't in the zeitgeist, but he's right. also a character that's been around for. You know. Fifty years, probably. Yeah. But, anyways, no, I like that. That's a good pull because uh, I was thinking, I, I was thinking of comic book characters, and I was like, mm-hmm. eh, they're probably going to do that, you know? And, yeah. And like, but but one like Moon Knight, uh, like, I, I don't know if we'll ever get it. Yeah, I, it's I, hard to say because like, there's not a clamoring for that. No. But I, I well, now there is. Now that's out there. Yeah. We'll start a grassroots campaign. We cannot be ignored. Okay, so before we started, I said that I I didn't quite have five, right? Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, I got five. But it was because I couldn't decide whether or not I wanted to put either one of these on. But mm-hmm. if they were going to go on, they were going to be at number two. All right? So the one I didn't put on, but I am going to mention, is the board game Risk. Nice. Okay. But I think that it could be very diluted and it's such a global thing that it could get kind of messy and all that stuff. So instead of that, in lieu of that, Mm -hmm. I'm going with something that I've brought up on my other podcast and something that comes back to my mind. Like it's something like one of those childhood things that sets off and it gives you that good feeling right away. Not where your uncle touched you. No, I know <laughs> you're thinking that. No, it's not that. It's I was. the really the good sensor. The mm-hmm. good sense sensors go off. It's uh, it's set the future in in three thousand nine hundred ninety four post apocalyptic wasteland, uh, divided into ter- kingdoms and territories, the majority of which is ruled by wizards, and whose ruins typically feature recognizable geographic features from the United States. Starting New York City, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Mount Rush, well, all basically in the U.S. Because it was a Saturday morning cartoon called Thundar the Barbarian. Hmm. And <laughs> this was, um, when did it come out? Um, I don't know when it came out. Uh, but it did, 
Uh, okay, 1980. Okay, so we're we get it. You feel that Conan the Barbarian and a little bit of Star Wars in it because there's like this big hulking He-Man type person, and he's got a Wookiee type companion, and they go through the wastelands of a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, and it's very cheesy, but it it hits that nice little spot. But I know if this is just you know everyone's saying, "Oh, this is cheesy and stuff." Yes, yeah. Well, so was Thunderdome or mm-hmm. Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. But oh yeah, because when we get George Miller to direct this thing, and we get Tom Hardy to star as Thundar, and we get uh, uh, what's his name uh, Terry Mayhew mm-hmm. to star as his buddy the Wookiee. Uh, you Peter know, because he, he has a lot of experience doing those type of characters. Yes. What is it? Peter Mayhew. Uh, Peter Mayhew, yes. Yeah. And we get, you know, some, you know, hot chick off the street. I know. I'm being <laughs> a little bit sexist. Yes. But, I'm uh, in. But uh, we get George Mayhew, or George Mayhew, uh, George Miller to direct this, and we get that good, great, great feel. That's mm-hmm. where we're, what I'm going for here. We want uh, post-apocalyptic and just rock and roll uh, fire and dust and blood and dirt and all that stuff that comes along with any George Miller uh, creation, except for Mr. Popper's penguins um, <laughs> or babe in the city or Pig whatever. In the city. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, this, I would love to see this because yes, it's cheesy Saturday morning cartoon stuff, but you get a good writer, you get matter. a good script. And I know yeah. he's done the post-apocalyptic thing. And I know he's tied up for the next like 25 years doing Mad Max stuff. Let's take a little sidebar and do this for me. Yeah. All right. A, a nice little $250 million project, you know, where you go out in sub-Saharan Africa and just film it. Right. Yeah, just, just do it. Have some fun. Take it yeah. easy. Phone it in. No, don't yeah. phone it in, but you know. Yeah, yeah do fun. what you do what you do. Do do your best. Yeah. So yeah, there's Thunder of the Barbarians, my number two. Nice, nice. I like it. Uh so my number two is the example I gave to you. Um the, this, is, this is inspired. I really like this. Yes. Because uh, I never would have thought of it. So I am it's kind of a full circle thing because I think the game Metroid was inspired by the movie Alien. Uh, It features a lone female protagonist trying to survive in against a score of foreign creatures. Um, So Metroid is uh, an NES classic, but since then there have been, like I think, just a whole score of games. Um, It'd be a great sci-fi elements of horror actions uh movie um it's got the the classic music score and it'd be great to get it reimagined um i always uh have these i i would think you know i would love trent Reznor to score just about anything um, yeah but give him something like a classic like 8-bit chip tune uh i think you could go to town on that i think i'd be right in his wheelhouse yeah right? absolutely and so I'm thinking, you know, it would be great for someone who can handle this, uh, this uh, lived-in universe like Alien is bringing the guy who who took Alien in the action direction. Attaboy. Get James yeah. Cameron, <laughs> who uh, I, I don't like when he makes his own universes, uh, Avatar. But 
yeah. give him something established, and he can do some serious work. And uh, I think you you get um, you know get a badass blonde uh, Blake Lively throw her in the mix. There you go. Uh, and and you've got a ton of games, and obviously the NES era um, storytelling was a little. You know, there's not a ton you could do, but but since then, there's a ton of lore you can pull from to create a solid, cohesive, 120-minute action sci-fi adventure. Yeah, that's because, yeah, um, the different levels were there. Mm -hmm. Like, it was the best. Well, I didn't own it. My cousin did. So every time I went over, I was just, I was jonesing to play it. Yeah. One to play because I oh, had yeah. Zelda. He came over and played Zelda with me, and then I would go over and play Metroid with him. And it was, yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Yeah, I feel like Legend of Zelda and Metroid are two. Uh, they'd be they'd be great in their respective genres. Yeah, absolutely. As long as Good. yeah, Nintendo would probably come in and have some problems with it, but whatever. This is a this is a wish list. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Um, I like it, and I that was a great example that mm-hmm. you gave me. So, uh, like I said, it was inspired. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, my number one, mm-hmm. and I need you. I need some help on this. Once I give you some, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of rope to play with. And, All right. Uh, and and see if you can we can uh, we can workshop this as we go. Okay. Oh, so we've had aliens versus predator. Sure. We've had Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. We've had all these V stuff, you know, like these iconic characters going against each other. Right. And, you know, at the center of any good movie, there's conflict. Of course. What I want, and and one of the oldest rivalries that I, I can remember from a kid, and, and it's been going on since like the, like the 50s, okay? And, you know, it's not, you know, communism versus democracy. It's not, you know, Catholics versus Protestants. Hawks it's not, rings. <laughs> it's not dogs and cats. It's what it is. It's Wiley Coyote mm. versus the run, run, Road Runner. There you okay? go. Now, now, just wait. Just listen to me. Okay. Mm. So what do you picture the first time when you imagine seeing this? What do you picture in your mind? The, so, honestly, the thing I picture is the coyote his uh his dust bubble as he falls off a cliff all right but what do you see in the background you see like picturesque picturesque like uh landscapes yeah right desert you see like wide open spaces Mm -hmm. um you get you know great uh sunsets and like where best did we see that recently Uh, we saw it in the revenant Okay, yes. With natural light. And we saw mm-hmm. it with um Alejandro Inuritu. There you go. I want him I want him to direct this, right? We get these great vast landscapes behind him, right? Behind but do we do it with the actual coyote mm-hmm. and roadrunner, or do we do stand in, like people standing in? Do we do it live action? Do we do it uh mm. digitally enhanced? You know, because he's all about like the filmography of it. You know, right. he wants yeah. to be, you know, Ooh. true to the the craft. Ooh. You know, how do we how do we make this huh. great? Do we? 
I mean, either way you look at it, like even yeah. if it is like we get like <laughs> I mean, it would be awesome is he has a hundred fifty million budget dollar budget yeah. and he's shooting these great shots and landscapes and stuff, and all of a sudden someone's just drawing in a, a coyote and a yeah. and a roadrunner. Well, that would obviously be the best, <laughs> right? But I could also like, see like a like a human stand in like the uh, the roadrunner is this enigmatic bank robber that no one seems and, to be able to tell you anything about. And in, ca- in the car, is, the roadrunner, yeah, the roadrunner car, go. right? Yeah, absolutely. And then the um, and the Acme company is like this shadow government <laughs> type thing that comes in you know where yeah. the coyote is using like all his resources and, like calling in you know like helicopters and yeah bombs and all these tricks or i was gonna say the the roadrunner could have it, ripped the road off runners, the acme company i'm sorry roadrunner the roadrunner ripped off acme for a ton of money and now they've hired the coyote to go after him the right Coy- coyote the road a grizzled is veteran. from yeah. drive there you go all right and uh, who's who's the coyote? We got to uh, think of a like Josh uh, Brolin. Bro- in a well, trench I'm thinking coat. more of uh, you know who we need to come in. Mm. Brian Cranston oh. to be a big bad. Right? Oh yeah, he is the coyote. We call him in, nice. and we go back to bald with the pot, the pot belly or yeah. pork pie. Whatever. You go the uh, the pork pie hat. I am. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Heisenberg. Back. Heisenberg. Say my name. Yeah. I we we bring him in just a little bit off so we don't get sued. Yeah. Uh but we get Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. And it's it's uh a chase throughout the painted desert. Yeah. With That'd glorious shots and, and very little plot. Nice. That's a yeah, I mean you just need great action set pieces. There you go. And you got it. I like it a lot. That'd be a lot of fun. Why haven't they tried something like that? Uh, uh, that was it. Was kind of Mad Max Fury Road. Kind of, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think Mad Max Fury Road is great, but I don't necessarily know if it broke new ground. I think maybe it just did it best. Oh, it's a spectacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did spectacle best. All right. Well, I've got a pretty wild number one pick, um, and I kept this in in my pocket. Um, uh, It is just, it's a dream of mine. Uh, Ghostface Killer, the rapper, put out an album called 12 Reasons to Die. Uh, It was a concept album. Uh, It came out in 2013. And it's a concept album about a uh, black man who gets uh, in with the five families. Okay. And uh, he, his goal is to start his own family. And, of course, the, the Italian mob bosses say, no, no, no. You know, no, uh, you know, no one outside the, the Italian lineage. Yes can be a, a head of a family. And um, what happens is they end up uh, killing this main character. And he's resurrected as the ghost face killer 
to exact his revenge on the heads of the five families. Oh. Yes. I mean, this could be two different movies. Yeah. I mean, really, that that first one is just interesting enough where he's making his bones trying to... Yeah, absolutely. And knock off everybody, but, like, this is a totally different... Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, you know, 70s New York, uh, Godfather era, um... But then you bring in the the uh, black exploitation element. Um, oh, this is like three different movies. Yeah, yeah. So so you keep eight, uh, so. Is there a reasons, sex scene in this? Oh, it's a, it's a great one. Um, somewhere in there, I don't know, Mister. I I'm gonna bring in Mister Skin. Yeah. <laughs> to consult for us, and uh, so uh, the this album is uh, Ghostface Killer does the all the vocals, but the uh score of it the the instrumentals are done by adrian young and uh if you're not familiar with this album you might be familiar with adrian young's work he did he did the score for the netflix series luke cage oh, okay so keep him because he does great work and uh i, I it gives it a really grimy Really, um, I think really seventies feel something that I, I'm picturing someone uh, an auteur like Quentin Tarantino can elevate. Like yeah, oh there you go. Absolutely. I mean, you got the the setting is perfect, the music is perfect, and and you want you know of course you you got a a guy from beyond the grave exacting revenge on mob bosses. There's gonna be some gore. Yeah, uh, and and you want Tarantino for that? Um, he's he's a guy that can make the absurd feel real, right? And I'm thinking for the lead, who I really want uh, is I haven't really he hasn't really gotten a good role since Dope, so um, I'm picking Shamik Moore if I can do the casting. I want him as Tone Starks slash the Ghostface Killer. Nice. Yeah. So okay. I, I just the the album itself. I'll I'll throw it up on our Twitter. It has a great. It's great storytelling, um, and I think it just it lends itself so well. And maybe it's the um, is is it linear like the album? Yes, absolutely. From start, you you gotta. Once you know the story, you can kind of pick out the songs you like, but it's it tells a story from start to finish. Okay. Um, it's 12 Reasons to Die, Ghostface Killer, and Adrian Young. And I think that this would, it, it just lends itself so well to, dis, to the screen. And I think part of it is because um, I think it was pulled from a love of cinema. So I, I I think that the foundation the bones are already there. We just got to get the uh, the cast and the crew together to build this thing. Is it okay? Twelve reasons albums. Twelve okay. The deluxe album. Beware of the stair. Yeah, that's Rise the opening. Black suits. Yep. Okay. Yep. And it's like twenty four. Yeah, well, it's twelve tracks. Well, it's, it's twelve tracks, thing. and then the other twelve are just the instrumental versions, which oh, are oh, okay, yeah, which are gotcha. great standalones. <clears throat> cool. I'll check it out tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. You 
I please text me and let me know what you think. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this is, I, I listen to it on a semi-regular basis. When I listen to it, I, I can just almost picture this, uh, cause it just, it starts out your standard crime fair. Right. And then it, it just suddenly probably about halfway through goes into the supernatural. I'm like, this covers all my bases. Yeah. I'm in. I like it. You should write the screenplay, dude. Yeah, I just if I can get the rights, I will I will pull the trigger on that for sure. I'll just write it and send it to Ghostface. Maybe. That actually eh. There's worse ways to to go. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't hurt. I mean, and I'm sure the RZA would be right right there to to uh to direct it. You know, yeah, Rizzo would be a capable director too. He, I, I mean, he's he right now, same job kind of genre the, or same kind of feel as, uh, he's definitely as from, Tarantino. yeah, he's from Tarantino school for sure. Um, and he, uh, he did a great job with, uh, the man with the iron fists, hmm. which I, for, for what it's worth, I think it's a pretty good movie. So I haven't seen it. It's a solid kung fu flick from a guy. It's it's kind of a love letter to kung fu flicks. Yeah. And Russell Crowe's in it, so. Yeah. There you go. Weird enough. Well, sweet. I like this. Yeah. Um, this is a good good list, man. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun. I'm glad I'm glad you were able to take it and run with it as well. Yeah. It was it was pretty good. Um. The uh. Well, I guess one. I get what we could send it out to the, our our listeners and see what they would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, what what would they want to see resurrected or, or made into a movie? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I like it. Um, Yeah, uh, you guys build, build franchises. Let us know what what do you, what's maybe something you grew up on. Just tweet that, us, email us uh, at BroomviewPod, BroomviewPod at gmail dot com. What yeah, what would it, you love to make into a movie? Yeah, and you have a lot of uh, homework next week to watch mm-hmm. a lot of movies. Yeah, uh, but in the meantime. That rug really tied the room together. He